0: Well, it was something else to actually see President Donald Trump's motorcade roll into the 100th anniversary of Veterans Day. And interestingly enough, I don't think we planned it like this, but I've got a millennial CEO, entrepreneur on my line on this Veterans Day actually named Ryan Vett. And so, Ryan, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you've got an app called Boone. We'll get to that in a second. but. I liked in your pitch that you want to talk about the myth-busting facts about millennials. But I will tell you, there has to be a sector, and millennials aren't lazy. That's just what the media wants to tell us. But a sector that's not only not lazy, but actually serving our country. Wouldn't you agree that there are millennial veterans we have to honor today, as well as the World War II and the Korean and the Vietnams?
1: Absolutely. I totally agree, and I'm so grateful for all of those who have served. And uh, even though my last name is that I'm not a vet, but I have many family members who have served and friends uh, who have served that are millennials and grateful for their willingness to sacrifice uh, everything to protect our freedoms in this country.
0: And uh, thanks for joining us. Today is going to be called Millennial Monday because I've got another one talking and maybe you want to weigh in on this as well. How is it that boomers are still making more than us millennials? Like, how is that possible? Did you see that report?
1: I've seen a lot of reports on sort of the idea that older generations are making a little bit more money or more mature generations is the politically correct way to uh, refer to them. And I think one of the reasons being is obviously they've been in the job significantly longer and millennials are job hopping. So they're not getting some of those uh, raises that they're seeing over time, uh, like some of the people who have been in their careers for ages. And so they're making more lateral moves and incrementally increasing. A lot of times they'll jump from one job to the next for maybe a 10% increase, but then get stuck at that level and are unable to keep their raises going like uh, previous generations, particularly boomers, where we've seen some of those huge spikes and increases over uh, the last several decades.
0: And I'm sure you're helping to hire uh, millennials because you've got an app out called Boone, and I've heard a little bit about the gig economy, and it's kind of an interesting concept, but Fill my listeners in, that might be millennials, uh, on this. Yeah, so one of the trends that we're seeing in millennials, and really all generations,
1: is the idea of not sticking at a job for life. So like you saw, especially with the traditionalists or the silent generation, those born in the early 1900s, and then the boomers a little bit later, they would stick at a job for 25, 30 years or even their entire life. And now with the rise of gig economy made popular by companies like Uber and DoorDash and some others, you're starting to see this idea of people being their own boss. And in my book, I talk a lot about this desire that millennials have to control their own schedule and have this flexibility that they believe is normal, but really that's just what social media portrays. And so Boone is a a gig economy platform, uh, just like Uber or DoorDash where people are able, people with a healthcare license, so doctors, nurses, dentists, hygienists, Um, optometrists veterinarians they can work on demand Uh, so instead of driving an uber and picking someone up they're called to work at a practice for a day or an urgent care or an er for the day
0: and uh, i apologize i did not introduce the book as well it's called cracking the millennial code and uh it seems like there is a sense of loneliness there i feel like there's some part of this millennial generation that's losing hope and maybe ryan you're one of the guys that can bring back hope that millennials can get higher.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the things you're, you're totally correct. A lot of millennials are feeling stuck in their career. And one of the reasons being, again, I attribute a lot of it to social media. And uh, the second half of the book is called millennial Mythbusters," And basically it goes through uh, seven major myths that millennials have. One of them is uh, the idea that they're always asking for a raise. Another one is that they're entitled. And a lot of millennials, uh, several years out of school, and uh, for the listeners, a lot of people don't realize millennials are turning 40 in 2020, so millennials aren't quite as young as you might think, but uh, a lot of millennials do desire these higher-paying jobs of these certain careers or lifestyles because a small subset of their friends, maybe 1% or 2% of them are posting that style life on social media, and so they sure. feel like that is what they deserve.
0: And, I mean, there's this meme going around now that there's, um, you know, when you see your friend from high school and he presents you with a, a Ponzi scheme type of thing, and that lets you down as well. Right. But, uh, no, are you seeing that? Um, do you have any reaction to that? Because that's just what drew my mind when you were talking about all this.
1: Yeah, so the big thing that I see is this idea of side hustle. So, again, going back to the gig economy for a minute, it's allowed individuals to have their side hustle to control a little bit more of their income. And millennials are really want to control, but they don't know what to do with control once they have it. It's this idea of structured freedom. They want freedom, but if there's no structure, they they sort of don't know because they're. If you look at their childhood, they had the 50-hour work week in elementary and middle school. They were going to school, and then they had after-school program, and then dance, and then a sporting event, and you name it. And so they actually have been very hard workers, which busts the myth of being lazy. However, they don't know how to live in an unstructured environment. So when uh, one of these pyramid or Ponzi type schemes pops up or something that allows a side hustle to – for them to start a side hustle, a lot of them jump on it because they think it gets them to that lifestyle that gets them to have that vacation or fly first class or private or buy that car or have that boat or get that house or do whatever some of these things are – that a lot of millennials feel semi-entitled to because they see maybe 1% or 2% of their friends displaying that lifestyle or maybe an influencer or someone they don't know displaying that lifestyle online.
0: Well, right. And I'll tell you, Ryan, I I really want to have you back uh, for a longer conversation on this because the the reality is that um, I feel like you can shelter millennials and shelter, you know, younger people from those scams? Like th- this Boone app sounds like a real, uh, down- how do we download that first of all, but it sounds like a real useful tool for those who are looking for a job or a side hustle, as you say, or, or maybe both. How do we get to that app?
1: Yeah, so you can go to doingboon.com B-O-I-N-G, b o o n B-O-O-N.com. And if you're a licensed healthcare provider, uh, you can sign up for a, a position, and then as soon as a position comes available in your area, you'll get pinged or texted, and you can get plugged right in and have the flexibility to work work your own, own shifts.
0: And by the way, why, another reason why I want to have you back is that you and I could probably agree the entrepreneurial spirit has been destroyed. Like, nobody wants to honor the small business because they believe. Government should do it for them. That—that's what—that's uh, what the upper echelons of even New York City says. Like, oh, we don't need small business. We just want the government to help you. And and you're taking that back. You're saying no. Entrepreneurs are important to this country's success. Absolutely,
1: small business owners and entrepreneurs are critical and the cornerstone. I mean, you do have these huge companies that are making tons of money and caring for their team members, but then you've got all these small startups that are really the backbone of what keeps America going every day. And if you look throughout history, uh, the first part of the book cracking the millennial code is all about the history of the generation. And one of the key pieces to note there is we're just repeating history right now. You're seeing almost this more silent generation type, um, type work ethic with more of a uh, kind of the small business and uh, that type of thing thriving. The family business is thriving again, uh, where there is a growing distrust a little bit with, some larger corporations, and you you just see these ebbs and flows throughout history. And so that's why the first part of the book that I wrote goes into history, so you can have the right lens when you're trying to look at the current generation and even the future generations and how to best manage, motivate, and market to millennials.
0: Hey, uh, Ryan Vett, thanks for joining us. I know you got to go in just a minute, but let me ask you, where can we find you? Where can we find the book? And again, uh, is the app in the App Store right now for iTunes and even Android users?
1: Yes, the app is in the App Store, so you can find that right now. Uh, it's just Boone, uh, B-O-O-N, and search that, and you can po- download that. And as far as following me, you can follow me at any social media platform at Ryan C-Vet, R-Y-A-N-C-Vet, V-E-T, or visit me at RyanVet.com. And uh, the book, Cracking the Millennial Code, is available in several formats on Amazon or anywhere where you like to buy books.
0: All right, Ryan, thanks so much, and uh, please come back, and God bless you on this endeavor. Love the entrepreneurial spirit. We need to have you back, because I believe that this country is we, the shareholder, that we can control our destiny.
1: Absolutely. We're looking forward to our next conversation.
0: Absolutely. I'm Alexander Garrett. We'll be right back with another guest on this Millennial Monday. That literally just popped up today. Uh, Tess Brigham joins me next to talk more about the Millennial Boomer Wage gap, what's going on there? She'll have that and a little more psychological approach to that as well. I'm Alexander Garrett here on Keeper Real. Well, we continue here on Keeper Real with Alexander Garrett expanding on the notion that boomers, baby boomers, are still making more money than millennials. Now, Tess Brigham. Thanks for coming back on to Keep It Real tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I was corrected in the first segment, like, oh, no, don't call them baby boomers, but I'm just used to saying that term. But, indeed, the older generation is still making more than millennials. And, and from a psychological aspect, what, what can you say is contributing to that wage gap? Um. Yeah, well, first, beyond the
2: psychological, I think it's, I'm glad that we're finally seeing more and more articles about this because I think that what we're, what we're really seeing is not only what is going to happen in the future, but really what's putting a lot of millennials into the mindset they are in right now, which is in this country there is this unspoken, right, this unspoken belief, this unspoken rule that kids will always do better than their parents that that is what how it works and if you were born in 1940 which a lot of baby boomers were if you're an older boomer i should say but um that if you are born in 1940 you had a 90% chance of uh, earning more than your parents as opposed to a millennial who has only a 50% chance of earning more than their parents so Psychologically, they are very much, I mean, I, for a lot of millennials, they're probably sitting around wondering, like, what's the point of all of this? You know, what is the point of if I can't see myself retiring, if I can't see myself being able to provide my own children with more than what my parents provided for me, then, you know, what what is it that I really want to do and what is it that I want to contribute to the world? And what I see for a lot of my clients is they're not, for some people, they are resentful and angry. That is part of it. But for them, there's another aspect of it, which is also feeling a bit of, okay, so what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for my children? And what do I really need to do today to set myself up for success so that maybe I won't out-earn my parents, but maybe I'll be close to what I need
0: in order to provide for my children? I just had a Ryan bet. He's actually a CEO of an app called Boone for gig economy. Maybe you have a thought on that. Is gig economy a way to go for millennials or should they go for that full-time job for that secure position in a company?
2: Um, I think the gig economy is great for anyone who is still trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. Um, I think that... You know, again, everything in life is based on what are the circumstances of what happens for you, what's going on in your life, are you, you know, what kinds of bills do you have to pay, what are you responsible for, what are you not. Um, so I think the gig economy is a good one for people who want to earn extra money and who also want to explore in a very, uh, um, versus trying to get a full time job, like in a, in a, It's easier to explore what you want to do in the gig economy than it is trying to go from full-time job to full-time job. It's a low-risk way of exploring new things.
0: And not only that, I mean, I I just think that people are now being bogged down, millennials, and everybody's being bogged down by the job application process. So, you Mm -hmm. know, picking up a a quick thing seems to be the way to go, but... I still believe in traditional, hey, apply that job if you really want it. And I think that's what we need to inspire millennials to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly, I think that it's important for people to have, again, I think it's where you are in your life, but I do think it's important for people to have um, a steady job and a steady income. And if you're trying to pay back student loans and some other things, I can imagine that stress is, a big factor and and they've done studies on this where a big, big factor for stress for millennials is based on money and fear around, am I making enough money? Am I making enough money to pay my rent and my student loans and all of the other things that I, I want and need. And um, so I always tell and urge my clients, you've got to pick what is going to work best for you. For There's always, everything's always a trade-off, right? Steady yeah. income, means that you know what you're getting when you're getting it, which is amazing and wonderful. And if that is more important to you than the flip side, then that's what you have to choose. But for other people, the idea of being sort of shackled to one thing feels really overwhelming.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that, because I feel like our generation and the millennials want to be free or want their free decisions to be made, whereas maybe this wage gap is partially because there is sort of a line that Older the older generation still have, which is making sure there's a consistent income, and and not towing the company line, so to speak. But definitely, they're a little more structured, I guess. Whereas the millennials value freedom more than money at times. Yeah, I, I definitely think, and I and I what I think is really nice because
2: I'm out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, so out um, here. Salaries and and work situations are completely skewed, but I do see for a lot of my clients they really do desire the freedom to be able to say, oh, you know, I, my partner is traveling next week, and um, I'd like to go with them, and so I'm going to work from that office wherever we're going. Um, and they absolutely want uh, a boss an employer that can see that that will make them more loyal to the company and more excited and more focused on their work. If they feel like they have the freedom to travel and experience new things um, while they're in a full-time job. But um, I, you know, there's so many different reasons that factors that go into why millennials are making less money. And definitely the recession of 2008 really did a lot of, millennials that were graduating around that time and it, it really did the clients that i have that were graduating college in 28 2008 and
0: 2009 i've had a radically different work experience than my um other millennial clients well and i think we talked about that the last time you were on that i truly yeah. feel that 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 whole recession has led to what we're in now now the interesting thing is while we're not making as much as the older generations, the baby boomers, as I say, were also okay with accruing a lot of debt at the holidays, which is another free thing, you know, freedom kind of thing. Like, I'll spend out much however, however I want on on whoever I want.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, I, you know, it's interesting because um, what I see, it's interesting that people are wanting to spend so much money because what I hear from a lot of my clients, especially when it comes to gift giving and such and the holidays is they all seem to want much more of experiences and a lot of them believe in sustainability and hate the idea of purchasing any gift. So I'm surprised to hear so many people are wanting to rent out and purchase.
0: Well, or is it less about gifts and more about experiences and you talk about the experiences, uh, FOMO is a term that everybody uses nowadays, uh, fear of missing yeah. out. Is that leading to any of this radical spending during the holidays and also the wage gap? Um, You know,
2: I don't know. I, I personally think that the wage gap, I see the wage gap as something that's been happening for many, many years with the fact that. Um, companies are not, you know, companies are not doing what they once did, which is creating pensions for people and creating that level of security. So what's happening is we have a generation of people that have been not only affected by a huge recession, but hopped from job to job, gig to gig. And that now what's happening is that coupled with the, um, the high cost of college Sort of, they've been created in this place where they've accrued so much debt where maybe some of it for them psychologically, they're thinking, well, I'm in so much debt from school. I might as well continue to get into more debt. That might be a lot of people's mindset. But what I see is, is that this, this issue of millennials being behind their parents and generation X is just, it's been layered for years and years with companies not not keeping up with the vast cost of living with salaries
0: and tess you are a cnbc contributor time to time but what's your main job in san francisco that i have you back because you you actually have a clientele that is 20 to 30 or even a little older range am i right yes 20 30s yeah so what exactly do you do what how do you coach them
2: So I am, so I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I'm also a board certified coach. So I take the best of both of these worlds with my clients and I help them gain insight into why they are struggling. And then I take that insight and then I give them actionable tools into how you, you know, how do you make changes? And I think that's one thing that happens is that we have to have insight in order to change, but if we don't change our day-to-day behaviors, nothing in our lives really changes. Um, so I do that on an individual level for my clients here, but I also, I work for companies and corporations. So if there's anyone there that's got a company, it feels like, you know, they, uh, and you have a large group of millennials that want coaching and help and structure. That's a lot of what I do is helping both the older generations and the younger generations speak the same language so that we don't have as much of this, you know, hashtag, okay, boomer stuff going
0: on. I have seen a lot of that and I'm kind of annoyed by it by now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, are you annoyed because you feel like it's overdone or do you feel annoyed at the boomers or both? I think it's overdone and it's like, all right, we get it. You, you think you're better cause you're younger. I get I, It's just it's so weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's the, it's the classic thing over and over again, right? Every generation has criticized the youngest generation and we always look back and think that young people have no idea what they, what they're doing and what they know. And the reality is, is that we all have something to teach each other, and I, I, I hate to see the small-minded people, you know, really think that there is – I know we're using the words millennial and, and, and boomer and, you know, Gen X and, Gen, and then now there's Gen Z. I know we use these It's just sort of to create some context, but, um, you know, we all need each other. We really do. And so we've got to figure out at the core, and this is what I do at companies and what I do for my individual clients, at the core, it's about our relationships with each other. It's how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves translates into how we treat other people. And so at the core, it's the age stuff doesn't really matter. It's sort of how we, how we think and feel um, about ourselves and really trying
0: to understand someone else's experience before we judge them. And that is kind of lost in the whole translation here. No one really wants to take that time anymore, I feel.
2: Yeah. We want to lump everyone together. And that's a lot of what I do when I go talk to older generations. Is I talk to them about what it's like to be a millennial. And I show them these stats, these statistics that we're seeing about millennials making less money. And about the overwhelming school debt. And about the... Um, and about the um, the retirement things and and not being able to buy homes and all of these things and I what I see our older generation shocked and odd and they have no idea so I think it's, these are good conversations they are important conversations to have it's a matter of so how do we support millennials how do we help them and how how do and also the the, the the companies of the world you know how do you how do you really recognize that there's been this this disparage between how
0: the cost of living and what you're paying people and uh i was going to say you've um yeah the cost of living is ridiculous in new york and san francisco Uh, and i'm sure you get that a lot in your offices but you know today is veterans day and not so much the millennial but do you have any veterans that you coach uh that have come back from the battlefield and served our country
2: Um, Currently in my practice today, no, but I will say that for a long time I worked at a drug and alcohol um, treatment facility in Berkeley, California, and we had the the West Coast contract. So I have worked with hundreds of um, uh, men and women from many different branches. And, um, you know, as someone who grew up primarily in Berkeley, California, I think we have this really negative view of the military again, without any basis of anything. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I started working with these individually, these individuals as, you know, as my clients that I really understood. And it is what it takes for someone to go out there and lay down their lives for us. It is just, I mean, it's beyond hero. It's it's heroic, and um, and I don't think that we honor them enough, and I don't think that we understand enough what it's like to go into battle and to come back. And um, I what I saw a lot of were young people who were going into the military right out of high school because they didn't have a choice. Their parents could not afford college. You know, they didn't have any other economic opportunities. The military was their only choice. And so I think a lot of times um, people from privilege who have lots of options and opportunities have no idea that there are many people that this is their only option. And it's important that we recognize them.
0: Well, thank you for mentioning that, because obviously all these military branches do have collegiate incentives, do have economic incentives it's not just you know oh uh, we were going to war for no reason no these guys have a reason mm-hmm. and part of it is of course to serve their country but yes there are ways the military has gone in the community and said hey if you want to serve us we will benefit you and i think that's great i, I love that community feel that they've seemed to have gotten over the last decades or so
2: yes absolutely And so what we need to remember in those people with privilege that have parents who are able to pay for their education or help support them in some way, shape or form. that yeah, that for some people, this is their only option, which is wonderful and amazing that our military that they set up this program. Um, But yeah, I think it's, we for people who have never served um, it's very easy to dismiss it. And again, you know, have a viewpoint of someone who joins the military. You know, we need them; they're important, um, despite whatever your political views are. These are people, and mainly, usually young people, going out there and laying down their lives for us.
0: Do you have family that that served? Because my stepfather has, my grandfather had served as well. Uh, any family on your own? Um,
2: not really. I mean, my father did not serve. His—I I know both of my uncles um, served a little bit, but not, not that much. No, it's not. And so that's why when I started working with the military, it was really something new and different for me to see. Um, and I am so, and I am eternally grateful for the opportunity because I met so many wonderful, amazing people with so many different stories and absolutely they came back with a lot of PTSD and a lot of other issues. Uh, And they did that for us. So I think it's important that
0: we honor them. Well, Tess, thank you so much for for diverting there for a little bit, because it's important that on Veterans Day we talk about people's experiences. I'm glad you were, you know, it's very interesting you had that experience with them and seems like you helped them recover from what they were going through post-battlefield. Yes. Well, hopefully, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, and you, you shared some hope on, on eliminating the wage gap and how millennials and, and what can be done, and hopefully this podcast gets out there and, and more advice gets followed uh, from Tess Brigham. Yes. So, Tess, thanks so much. Twitter and uh, website, where can we follow you and, and find you? Uh, yeah, just go
2: to my website, Tess Brigham, B-R-I-G-H-A-M, Tess Brigham.com, and I'm at is it MFT Test? See, I'm terrible with Twitter. <laughs> I'm not great. You can, I can tell my age here with social
0: um, I think it's MFT media, Brigham or, some, or MFT Test or something. something like
2: that. I set that up a while ago. So, but yeah, the best way to reach me if you do want to talk to me directly is just go
0: to my website, email me. I'm um, easy to find. All right. Well, thanks so much. And, again, when more stories pop up, please come back and share Absolutely. with my audience. So thank you so much. All right. Great. Thank you. You got it. I'm Alexander Garrett. As we hit Veterans Day evening, have a blessed one. Thank you for all who served, and may God bless you and your family tonight here in the great country of America. I'm Alexander Garrett. Have a good one.